Dean Daniel here, friendly neighborhood stud muffin and sole guardian of the podcast. I've been plotting on how to get revenge on Tabletop Tim. I might sneak into his house, open his fridge, and delicately finger all of his delicatessen meats. But I need accomplices. Hedwig, Carlo, a socialist hobgoblin, and some new friends. Shall music effects, Edwin. Hello and welcome to the Poly Pad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm pencil. Paper. Today's probably bad RPG idea is In the age of social media, omnipresent cameras and global communication, the Guardians of the Veil have had to try a new method to hide the supernatural from humanity. They're putting big cardboard boxes over all the supernatural creatures. It's flawless. I just so the fundamental problem with urban fantasy is that it's really, really hard to justify how a secret society of werewolves is still in hiding. Uh, especially with big global conspiracies of werewolves and vampires and stuff. So just lean into it. Every time you shapeshift into a werewolf, a cardboard box just appears over you, and that's how no one notices. See, I because I'm I'm generally the one that picks what ideas to do on the podcast, and I picked this one out purely because it just makes me think about Metal Gear. Whenever someone discovers the supernatural, just like uh, a little exclamation mark dings over their head. But I I do like the idea of just putting things in cardboard boxes, because no one looks in those boxes. If someone comes to your house and you've it's full of boxes with little goblins inside, they're just going to assume you're a holder. It's great. This isn't a vampire conspiracy. This is just my hoard of cool memorabilia. All of this is Star Trek memorabilia, I say, as two vampires fight off the wall. The, those tiny things with pointy ears are not pixies. They're Spock Funko Pops. All supernatural creatures are disguised as being different Funko Pops. I mean, it would make a lot of sense to me if Funko Pops were possessed in some way. Yeah, like, Funko Pops animate on the full moon. You just can't tell because people tend to keep them in the boxes. Yeah. Like, if you hold a Funko Pop up to your ear on the full moon, you can hear it quietly shrieking, help me. Doesn't this suggest that this idea is perhaps real? And yeah, people I mean, hide the supernatural by pretending that it's toys and models, like yeah, uh, like the Mothman statue. That's not a statue. They just paint Mothman in bronze paint. And yeah, um, and really yeah, still when fact. he's not busy. A little in fact, there actually is no such thing as statues. Um, they're all supernatural creatures covered in paint or like stone or something. Yeah, the statues of of men on horses are actually centaurs with a fake horse head strapped to their bellies. I also love the idea of centaurs hiding by strapping a fake horse head to their bellies. Hello, <laughs> it is I, a normal horse rider, with my paper mache horse face. Get off the horse, you say. No, I like I like it up here. Actually, I'm I'm good. Sorry, I've only learned how to get on a horse yet. I've not yet had the had the lesson on how to get off it again. So I am gonna have to stay on the horse. Where are my legs? You ask. Well, they're also papier mache. Yeah. 
oh yeah, you have the getting on a horse lesson, and then you have a week of getting used to being on the horse, and then you have the getting off the horse lesson. Yeah. Everyone knows that, right? Exactly, that's how you learn to ride horses. Like, the way you learn to ride horses is you get on a horse and you're not allowed off the horse until you've learned to ride the horse. They're just really committed horse girls. Yeah. Uh, all horse girls are centaurs. Um, if you know one, then you now know her dark secret. Um, all skyscrapers are giants wearing, like, big fabric coveralls, so they look like buildings. Um, sometimes they sneeze. That's where wind comes from. Um, <laughs> of course, in the olden days, they just disguised themselves as hills. Yeah, that's why there's no hills anymore. Uh, they're skyscrapers now. Uh, all lizards are dragons. They're just like doing that thing where, like, you you like what's the word? Hunch your shoulders so you look small. So, so they're all dragons, but they're doing that. Are you suggesting um, that lizards are just the Clark Kent to the dragon Superman? Yeah. Like, if you take off a lizard's glasses, you will go, oh my god, that's just a dragon. <laughs> and all oceans are oozes. That's true, they're just ooze conglomerate. Mm. That's why if you touch the ocean even slightly, you will melt. I mean, it's, it's a long time since I've been to the ocean. Exactly. Prove me wrong, fuckers, no one's leaving their houses. <laughs> Um, so we've said a lot of very true facts. Um, I think we should possibly get back to the RPG idea. Possibly. So the other thing I like about hiding them in cardboard boxes is a lot of films with like supernatural creatures, they always have that scene where you go into like a warehouse mm. and then in one of the boxes there's like... Uh, I'm going to have to call it a Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Mr. Adam Frankenstein. Or, like, a coffin with a vampire in it or something. And I like the idea that that's entirely... That's what just what happens. That's where they go yeah. to sleep. They're hidden in their little boxes. Yeah, like, it's not a warehouse that stores, like, supernatural monsters for government. It's just, like, a supernatural B&B. This is the dark and edgy Hotel Transylvania reboot we're all waiting for. I mean, what is a coffin if not... A, a special storage box for a corpse. Mm. Corp, yeah. Each vampire must go to sleep in their original corpse storage box. <laughs> I also like the idea of, like, a horror thing where you're being slowly chased by a cardboard box. It like, has to be, like, full Metal Gear, where if you yeah. turn around and look at the box, it has to stop. Yeah. But I, I feel like you're playing Grandma's Footsteps with a werewolf in a box. I feel that could be legitimately unnerving if you play it right. There is just yeah. a yeah, there's just a cardboard box, and every time you look at it, still, but when you look away, it is moving. And obviously, you don't want to look inside the cardboard box because who knows what terrifying thing will be in the cardboard box. Yeah, uh, it's it like will... Mimikyu. If you look inside the box, you just you lose it. Yeah. Um, it is a Frankenstein, but, like, don't tell your players that. Um, yeah, if there's just a box, and when it's still, when you look at it, it's still, but there's, like, scratching noises coming from inside it, and then when you turn around and look back, it's moved. That could actually be a legitimately good, like, horror concept. Yeah. Especially if you're in, like, a building full of cardboard boxes. 
I, I have spent a lot of time in rooms full of cardboard boxes. Mm. Oh god, vampires could even have the special kind of cardboard that museums use that's meant to not rot for ages. Mm. Just to like save vampires. on rebuying the boxes. Exactly, like vampires who also don't rot for ages. Only if they're special museum vampires, though. Um, yeah, you're in just you, a box. You walk, in, you walk into like the museum warehouse and you're looking at all, all of the special boxes and you open one of them and there's just a guy in there. Like, one of the starting ideas... This is a slight detail. One of the starting ideas for an RPG I've always kind of wanted to do is you're archaeologists, you just dig down um, and you just dig up a dude and he just, like, waves at you. Not like out. an obviously supernatural guy. There's just a guy, just like, yeah. "Hey, you made it." I've been waiting six thousand years, you fuckers. <laughs> I left a map and everything. But yes, anyway, you're in a, you're in a building full of cardboard boxes. There are scratchings coming from inside the cardboard boxes, and when you look away, the cardboard boxes move. I feel that's definitely like the issue is most players would set fire to the cardboard boxes, but. That's why the monsters inside the cardboard boxes are bombs. That's why the monsters are coated with asbestos, which is even scarier. But then you just need to wait a bit for all of the monsters to die of asbestos poisoning. Ah, but vampires don't need to breathe. Therefore, they cannot get mesothelioma. I like the idea of vampires exploiting this by just filling their house with, like, asbestos. <laughs> oh, the when the the attractive Victorian lady starts coughing up blood, it isn't vampires or consumption. It's just asbestos. It turns out people were just really unhealthy in the past. I've heard this, and today. But yes, I also feel like I think possibly the best way to do a kind of masquerade is just to like straight-up parody it. Vampire, just, like, massive, like, nine-foot werewolf with just a small cardboard box on his head, and everybody's like, ah, a dog. Hey, that's that's not where I thought you were going. I th I thought you meant, because I've, I've had an idea for a while of doing, like, a comedy um, World of Darkness type thing, mm -hmm. where instead of looking, having various monsters, monstrous forms, the different kinds of vampires just look like different goth subcultures. I mean, the issue is They're I feel just like... hiding in plain sight. Like, some of them are goths, some of them are vampires. Goth or vampire is my favourite RPG. Like, yeah, I feel like vampires, I feel like at least some of them should be hiding as other subcultures. Like, if werewolf, like, if some vamp, like, if the camera... Yeah, werewolves are, are jocks, obviously. But if the Camarilla are um, are goths mm -hmm. and the Sabbat are preps, then you've successfully made My Immortal as a vampire RPG. <laughs> um, and it's a fun game to see how long it takes your players to figure that out. The real question is, what subculture are Nosferatu? Um, I feel like Nosferatu are... I'm going to, like, throw, throw it all for, like... I can't remember the phrase. Uh, what phrase am I thinking of? 
I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go like off the beaten track and say that Nosferatu are all the rich kids. Just dislike rich kids do have that ki- rich people do have that kind of face sometimes, don't they? Yeah, like just dislike skeletal thing, weeping spiders shows up in its fancy new Ferrari and brags about it's Prince Philip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, as a British person, I am very sad Prince Philip has died. Um, I wish they'd kept his phylactery safer. Um, oh, I'm over it by now. I'm waiting for the Queen to die now. We'll probably get a bank holiday when that happens. All comedy is going to be like, stop being broadcast for 14 days when the Queen dies. No, that's that's an official thing that they're going. That's sort of oh. on the paper. Yeah, uh, all TV shows that have a comedic theme are delayed for fourteen days when the Queen dies. So, if you really I want to, in defiance of that, we should put out an extra, probably bad episode. Yeah. So, if you really want to screw days. over Ricky Gervais, I thought you don't... said comedy. A. <laughs> uh, don't kill the Queen. Um... BI agents listening. I mean, I, I would be more worried about like MI5, but sure. Um, shall we move on from treason to the first question? Uh, yes. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm going with Krios V because I don't think I could pronounce the move from an S to a V. Um, asks. What kind of music do you have on during sessions? And follow up, what would be the worst music to have for a session? I have only deafening silence. I don't even speak. I just sit there and stare intently at my players. Yeah, like, serious answer, I don't tend to put music on during my sessions because I find it distracting. But that's mostly auditory processing stuff yeah i I know a lot of people use like video game music or you get various like one hour atmosphere (laughs) type stuff on youtube that a lot of people use like my main issue is that i don't plan my rpgs like a huge amount i'm pretty improv so i feel like i find it hard to get the music to apply thematically Like, I'm not great at going, okay, what kind of songs will happen in the sessions that I think are going to happen? But, what music is the worst kind? Caramel Dancing One Hour. Hmm. 
kazoo cover of a kazoo cover of this podcast? The soundtrack to High School Musical 2. Just screaming. Another... I, I don't think that counts as music. Can't, don't tell you scream. <laughs> you scream a melody. That's just death metal. Death metal. <laughs> Another, like, somify the entirety of critical role and play that. Um, just to just to like confuse people about what's actually like being described at the table. Um, I like that. That would particularly confuse my players, I think, because I have a habit of just singing sentences instead of saying them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, have your GM and your GM's four friends um show up and just do a barbers rock quartet. You fought the ogre. You fought the ogre. You fought the ogre. <laughs> I can't do a short quartet by myself, but imagine there like four of them there. I've imagined it. It's terrifying. Uh, statistically, there are at least four mod pencils in your room with you at any given time. You're never more than six feet from a mod pencil. It's true. Uh, if you're listening to this, I do live in your walls. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm sorry that we don't have a particularly exciting answer to what kind of music we have on during sessions. I feel like it would maybe be interesting, and I think it's a submission that we get a lot, is... I mean, you did say you you like doing quite improvisatory GMing. Yeah. Just put a playlist on shuffle and try and keep to the tone of whatever's playing. Yeah, I feel like... I feel there was definitely an interesting RPG in there. What you need is songs just radically tonally different, I think. So you're just having, like, you know, a sweet character building scene, then the music changes and immediately you're bludgeoning a man to death. Yeah, like, it, it would... You'd have to pick the playlist carefully. It'd have to be, I don't know, just, like, some someone's random Spotify Top 100 rather than yeah. any thematically coherent playlist. Just, yeah, you have to make your song, like, your game has to, like, correspond to the top 100 in the charts, and as soon as that changes, so does the song. So does the RPG. I'm going to open up the Billboard Top 100 right now and just see see what we've got, if you were to do that. Guarantee I'm not going to have heard of most of the people on this. We are very uncultured. This personally is the first time I've even heard of music. Okay, I mean, the top five has a BTS song and also Montero, so I feel like just those two would be an interesting tonal shift. I don't know who either of those people are. Uh... Is K-pop and the song and the song where he gives the devil a lap dance and then kills him and becomes the devil. Okay, yes, I do feel that would be an interesting campaign. I feel more campaigns should end with you killing the devil and then becoming the devil and giving the devil. Yeah, a lap I feel dance. like just a campaign based on Montero would be quite interesting. I mean, it's a good warlock arc. Yeah, it's attack and dethrone God, but evil. 
or maybe good. Maybe you're attacking and dethroning Satan so that you can rule hell nicer. I am bringing democracy to hell via lap dances. I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of unclear what Satan's job is beyond being a generic evil force. Um, In the Bible, he doesn't really... Like, he's a prisoner in hell and he's basically just lashing out at other people in hell. Um, but So yeah, you make him stop and you start being nicer to the people in hell so they can have their redemption arcs. You're gonna use, you're gonna use lap dancing to implement prison reform in hell. By which you mean give people lap dancers. Yes. Yeah. Um, from now Depending on, when... on how good at it you are, either as the carrot or the stick. And, you know, either if you're nice, I'll give you a lap dance, or if you don't stop being mean, I'm going to give you a lap dance. The world's first only lap dance-based um, outer plane. See, the good, the good place didn't think of that, did they? No. And that makes this a better show than the good place. Come at me. <laughs> we should possibly go on to the next question before I get beaten up by um, the cast of the good place. I can't remember the dude's name. Um, friend of the show, Blatella, is back in our inbox. Um, do any of the rules of being a fantasy dad change when applied to ducks? I like this because this is a callback which in turn references an earlier callback. We're forming a deep and complex continuity. So... <laughs> I, I think the, the way to do this is to go through the eight rules of being a fancy dad and figure out if they can apply to Doug's. Okay. Number one, tell your kids things. No, you're a duck. You can only quack. Yeah, I feel like, number one, we've already fallen down because duck dads don't really hang around. So maybe maybe for ducks, we've got to reverse this. So don't tell your kids anything. Which makes rule two, don't turn evil, into do turn evil, which again, works out pretty well for ducks. I mean, I'm not saying we have to flip all of them. Well, I'm just saying that like, the, sta the, the standard of good duck parenting mm. is very different to the standard of good human parenting. Yeah. Rule three is ogre babysitter, so flip that instead, your baby has to like look after an ogre. I feel like that might be a problem. Yeah, I think I an ogre could still babysit a duck. Because it could pick up all of the ducklings just in its hands and give them a little snuggle. Hmm. Yeah, I think, like... Okay, yes. Um. So, yeah, with don't turn evil, I feel like in this context, that's don't become a goose. Because mm -hmm, geese are just evil ducks, that's well known. Yeah, geese are like weird ducks. Uh, every full moon, a duck turns into a goose, and you have to put a cardboard box over it. But yeah, I think the ogre would do well at looking after little, little duck. Yeah, it just needs to be careful. And I mean, if the if the ogre babysitter accidentally kills the ducklings, then you get to be a sad dad, hmm. which is which is a hero. Yeah, you get to go on a campaign to avenge your children. Yeah, you wait, you know, the duck equivalent of a decade, which is probably like a year. And then you find some poor abandoned ducklings. You take them in under your wing 
Um, sorry. And you save them from the Terrapins. Yeah. So rule four is don't leave your kids, which I think we've already established doesn't quite work here. Mm-hmm. Um, just need back for a minute. Yeah, five is don't delegate, which I, I think in context we meant like don't let other people rule your kingdom and things like that, which I think that one does still apply to ducks because, you know, uh, most animals are territorial. I imagine the same applies to ducks. Yeah, don't let your ducks rule your duck kingdom. Make sure that you are the top duck. Top in the pecking order, one might say. You could. Uh, ducks are territorial. Don't, don't, don't let your duck vizier act as the surrogate parent to your ducklings. Hilarious fact I learned. If you put a mirror in a duck enclosure, the duck will assume it is another hostile duck and fight the mirror. Um, so rule six of being a good duck parent is to stay away from mirrors in case you're too busy fighting your own reflection to look after your kids. See, the problem with that, though, is this implies that ducks don't understand mirrors, so how do they know? Just stay away from all of the ducks, especially your children. Um... Maybe contradicting ourselves a little here. Check your baby for prophecies regularly. I don't think people make prophecies about ducks. I mean, maybe duck wizards? Yeah, but you know. Like, we've established the existence of duck warlocks. Yeah. Maybe some of them have prophetic powers. True. I guess, yeah. Like, check, make sure no one has made a duck prophecy about you. Seven is train your kids, so presumably introduce your children to mirrors early so they get plenty of combat training before they face an actual enemy. Like, remember, ducks um, ducks are well known for their never-ending war against mirrors. That's so, why they swim in water so much. They want to destroy that mirror-reflective mirror surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to train your kids... Um... Just in being a duck. Like, train your kids to be just a little bit of a dick. Not quite a goose level, but a little bit of a dick. Teach your, teach your ducklings the difference between kind and nice. Mm. Flip your ducklings upside down. Why, why flip your ducklings upside down? So they can swim upside down. Most ducks can't. <laughs> We're go- going beyond the dabble. Yeah. We're going into high-level doubles. <laughs> the double-dabble. The double-dibble-dabble. <laughs> Dabble extreme. Make sure to put little sunglasses on your ducklings and teach them, like, to ride a motorbike. This doesn't really help with the parent thing, but it is really cool. If a duck dabbed while dabbling, would it help it dive? Dabbling diving duck, you say? A dabbing, dabbling, diving duck. Mm. I only dabble in dabbling, diving, dab ducks. But you've, you've got to get really good at it. You can't just dabble in dabbling. Rule 8, clear communication. I think we've already fucked up that one. <laughs> only communicate in elaborate tongue twists about dabbling, dab ducks who dab dabble. 
bark loudly and clearly. Directly into someone's ear. Um, so yes, in the event, uh, and I can only assume this is why you asked a question, that you are a new duck father looking to raise your ducklings, I feel we've helped. Um, yeah. Uh, this um, is general soundtrack to our RPG. Um, in the event, yeah, have like... you considered using tongue twisters as the background to your RPGs to replicate the experience of being a no-thick? Just have a weird, like, weird man in the corner of your RPG room just doing tongue twisters and dabbling their dab ducks dibbly. This is going to be a fun one to transcribe. In the um, event you'd like to dabble support our dabble dab dabs, it's very warm, in case you're wondering. It is very warm. Um, anyway, yes, we have a Patreon. Um, if you want to join our Discord server where we play one-shots so you can get the experience of being a human trapped in a cat's body, possessing a headless Ronald McDonald statue while fighting a skeleton, um, you can go to patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas. Um, at higher levels, you get access to bonus episodes, including reviewing possibly the edgiest RPG of all time, and homebrew uh, races, subclasses, enemies, items, all that jazz. Which I think is probably going to end up including sentient ducks soon, after a conversation <laughs> with some of our patrons. I think sentient ducks are coming. Uh, both in terms of Patreon Warden, just as a general. Be be ready. Yes, join our join our Patreon at the ten dollar at the ten dollar level to get access to the Sentient Duck Patreon and therefore learn their weaknesses. Uh, if you have a question, you can email probably bad RPG ideas. At... No, no, you can't. Fuck you. You can email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com um, or messages on Twitter or Tumblr. Uh, we also have a Redbubble, which, among other things, includes a Rules of Being a Fantasy Dad shirt. That's redbubble.com slash people slash probably bad. And, and remember, remember to have, have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.